You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. So I was saying I love the evening service because we get to talk and fully express ourselves in God's presence. We're able to discuss issues. So uh, the evening service for me isn't one that we preach at ourselves. It's that we have conversations and we search the scriptures. We also learn from uh, people's experiences. So thank you very much for coming tonight. If this is your first time, you're welcome to the LifePoint Church. We're excited to have you. And uh, please let's specially help me appreciate Sukomi. Sukomi has been amazing today, both at the morning service and also uh, this evening. In fact, I didn't know he was going to lead us in worship this evening. I was only told that he was going to um, sing us a special song. And that was such a beautiful song that you have, you know. Well done. God bless you, sir. Okay, so uh, welcome to the month of September. I mean, this is the first Sunday in the month of September. So welcome, everyone. I hope you're excited. Uh, anybody grateful that God has preserved us till this? Thank you, doctor. Please, let's put our hands together and celebrate God for preservation. Okay, and I just want to encourage you. I'm so sorry, sir. Can you just occupy that seat in front of you? Let's try not to have any empty seat in front of us. That would be great. Okay, um, I'm sure God has amazing things all planned out for each and every one of us. That much I know. Scripture says that his thoughts towards us are what? Thoughts of, absolutely, thoughts of good. Sometimes how those good thoughts pan out eventually, we may not necessarily like them, but we go in the strength of the knowledge that his thoughts for us are good. So regardless of whatever it is life throws at us, we know that God's thoughts for us, his plans for us, are great plans to give us a future and a hope and to bring us to that victorious expected end as he has designed. So even when the enemy tries to misbehave and tries to flip the script, we know he's just an empty threat. It's just making noise because we stand rooted in our position, okay? And that's just a reminder for someone here. Be rooted in your position. Don't pay lip service to who you are in Christ. You've got to own that position. You have got to allow that uh, relationship be evident in your life. All right, so this month we are talking about love. Anybody excited? Who loves love? Or who loves the idea of love? Thank you. Okay. Who does not love love? And it's okay. You know, this is evening service, so we can be very real with ourselves. Or who is tired about the concept or the thoughts or the very, 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 um, very many conversations about love. Is there anybody who's genuinely just tired? Like, I've heard it all. What's new? And I've not been very successful in that area. Anybody? Okay. Um, I think my first question tonight will be this. I want us to talk about, and I'm going to need Daniel's help. Where's Daniel? Still drinking coffee. Caleb or Uwaila, please. I need help with microphones. Okay, so I want maybe about two people to share with us their ideology concerning love and marriage. Your thoughts, when you think about it, how do you uh, interpret it? And there are no right or wrong answers. So feel free to share from your heart. Anybody who's going to go first? 
thoughts, ideas, uh, well, your ideology regarding love and marriage, whether it's how to approach it, whether it's what you understand by it, whether it's what you have seen or experienced, what you just share with us something. So two people, two volunteers, who's gonna go? I don't want to, thank you so much. Hi everyone, Hi. Um, my name is Chinedu. <laughs> okay, so um, obviously, I'm not married, please, this is from no, observation. No, no, please, please. Yeah, <laughs> observation, so I think um, love is patience and sacrifice. Um, I think it's intentionality, I think it's um, a willingness to learn. Um, I think it's a willingness to also understand that some things won't go the way you desire. And in that, um, I don't know, arrangement in terms of marriage, you, the, what you have to do, your responsibilities, finding workarounds to make it work. So um, I always tell people that from my understanding, the, you know, the classic um, display of love in quotations is never enough. There's so much more to that. And um, yeah, that's what I think. Thank you. Amazing. Please put your hands together for her. Thank you so much. I love the words that have jumped out. Intentionality, you know, putting in the work. Thank you very much for sharing. Who else wants to share? Maybe a different direction. Yeah? Someone is waiting their hand behind. Okay, Caleb, please. I'd like to say that love is a choice. Love is a choice. Interesting. Okay, please put your hands together for Caleb. Thank you for that. Love is a choice. So you choose to love. That's a very interesting concept. All right. Um, I also want to give someone an opportunity here to ask a question um, without necessarily preempting what will be said tonight. But I want to give you an opportunity to ask a question or make a comment that isn't necessarily in the direction that um, Chinedu, Chinedu and Caleb have shared. Just something either you think it's a prevailing mindset with this generation, um, or it's even your personal um, belief, or it's your cousin Femi's. So we have this thing in LifePoint that we do. When we talk about ourselves, we then say our cousin Femi, so that people that are hearing you will not necessarily attribute. I, know, I, I seem to have then said, <laughs> so if you say cousin Femi, we know that you're Feel free to find a way to anonymously communicate it. But yeah, question, comment, observation. And I'll start. I have observed that in this generation, relationships can be very fickle, and pe people are not willing to put in the work, just as she's mentioned. And oftentimes, people want ready-made partners. That is an observation that I have seen um, based off of, I mean, different counseling sessions that I've had. Yes, Remy. Okay, for me, I think what I've seen is love is an entitlement from my generation. Love is an entitlement. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So people feel entitled to be loved. Help us break it down. Yeah, so that we don't assume we understand what you're saying. Does anybody understand that, or do you agree that love is an entitlement? Okay. So when I say love is an entitlement, I feel like for both genders, we just feel like, how do I put it? Um, it's an honor for you to love me. I don't know how to put it in. 
but in my head it just feels like I'm based on what I've seen and heard my colleagues and my friends say it's yeah. like you should be honored that's that I I'm you. even gracing your presence. So like wow. everything I ask for, you give me. Wow. Anything. So it's not like everything I ask for per se, but it's just like, yeah, like love me or don't. <laughs> I don't care. It's just it's just this sense of I'm bigger than you, but I'm still coming down to your level to talk ah, to you and to love you and right. all of that. All those little, they are like little, little things, but like in the bigger sense, it's just this sense of entitlement that we all have that I'm just... But for God. I as in, as in, if not because singleness is already like, I'm tired. Or even if you genuinely like the person sometimes, it's just this sense of this person has to do this for me. And you're like, why? I don't know, he just has to do it, or mm. she just has to do it. He's not calling, you're not calling, but you just feel he just has to do it. She just has to move, he just has to. Like, there's just not this, I mean, my parents, I see them sit down to sometimes trash out issues or sometimes split bills. Someone will say, oh, you take the children's provision, and another person will say, I'll pay school fees, or I'll pay NEPAP. But in my generation, it's like, <laughs> you better do it, like, we're not splitting anything. Like, is this? It's just like in summary, it's like my money is my money, your money is our money, basically, and that's what I just mm. what I've seen and heard so so many times. Thank you so much for sharing that, Reme. Thank you. Looks like somebody else wants to share. Yeah, go ahead. Good evening, guys. Good evening. I was just according to what she, when she said, uh, is a, uh, what did you say, is a choice or what? Entitlement, yeah. Ah, okay, okay. I think he assumed you wanted to speak. There's someone behind. And then sir. we have someone here as well. Yes, sir. Who's behind? Um, I'm not your friend. Um, thank you for asking her to clarify, because when she initially said um, love is an entitlement, I think one side of me first said, yeah, I, I agreed, but having her explain it, I kind of, I don't know. What I thought initially is something I say to my sisters, I'm like, I like you um, because, but I love you despite. So, mm. um, so that was kind of what I was taking it in the angle of. And it's not just um, the opposite gender or the other type of love, just even with people. Because coming from what I think it was Caleb that said, um, love is a choice. choice. So after you've made that choice, that commitment to actually love the person, the next thing is it now flows to an entitlement. You've chosen to love them, so you like them because they are this way, but you love them despite the fact that they snore, despite the fact that my sister wears my clothes. I still love her. So. You love their spice. Sounds like a pain point you just brought yes. out. Subtly. Yes. I will tell you just her, highlighted. Yes. I will tell her I mentioned it in church. And I've laid it to God to save her. All right. Thank you so much for sharing. Okay, we have Bolu here who wants to share. And then we'll take Dr. Sam. Good evening, everybody. Hi. Good evening. Okay, so I think it's like a question or a comment. I heard someone ask that, or someone say that what has changed between let's say our parent generation and now is the sense of duty. Mm. Um, a lot of the pillars that held less than many parents in the, in the past was duty to the family, duty to their partner, duty to their wives. 
And he was saying that he feels that is one thing that has changed between their generation and our generation because there doesn't seem to be a strong sense of duty, of commitment. I have to do this. We are together. Therefore, this is what is expected of me to do. It just feels as if people don't see that as important anymore. And the person will find that that is why he feels divorce rates are on the eye because it is work. There is no way you can have a 20, 30, 40 year marriage without work. And it feels that duty is a key element that once you take it out, people don't have any reason to mm. keep working or keep fighting to maintain. That's all. All right. Thank you so much for sharing that sense of duty and commitment. And it's interesting, it's one of the things that we'll touch on uh, this evening. Okay, we'll say, we're taking Dr. Sam and then we're taking Hi guys, good evening. Good evening. Um, I think something I've noticed is, um, I think, but I, I think in this generation, is um, they love the idea of the individual, but they don't really love the person. So the idea of of the individual. So it's like versus the individual. Yes. So it's like the person is a trophy. Ah, uh, uh, trophy wife and trophy babe and. Very yeah, doctor. Interesting. <laughs> okay. My name is Wumi. Um, very Hi, quick one um, about the love is an entitlement statement. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on that, but I just wanted to make a point out of it, which is that I think that there's a difference between love and an agreement. So love is you know is patience is kindness it's unconditional but then i think in a situation where someone is saying you have to do this and you have to do this so i do that i think that is when it becomes more of an agreement um so I, yeah i just wanted to i just wanted to specify that and really point that out that i don't necessarily agree that love is an entitlement in that way i think if you're having those kind of conversations with someone and saying you have to do this for me to love you then i don't even know that that's love in the first place. Mm, mm. Thank you very much for sharing that, Wumi. So, I, I, just to, oh, one more person. Okay, before, before we take, okay, looks like we have two people now. But just to clarify that my question is, how do we interpret love in our generation? So, not necessarily good stuff. And I think what uh, Reme has done is to highlight the negative which is people feel entitled when they're in a love relationship and they are able to then place demands, which is what you are referring to as agreements by reason of the fact that you are dating X person, um, the person then places certain demands. And so she's speaking to uh, almost a warped sense of, uh, or, or a warped, sense, uh, warped interpretation of the concept of love. So that's, those are the things we're highlighting in our generation. Okay. Thank you very much for pointing that out. Okay, so we'll take the last two people. Um, hi. Hi, Tito. Um, my name is Tito, by the way. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't really agree with the view that our generation has a problem with love. I think that love in itself, human beings in general, and showing love and experiencing love, our views are quite broken. Um, the only reason I would say that um, people would say our generation have issues with it is because we're open about it. Um, I think there are lots of 
homes and marriages and just general relationships that are broken in terms of our generation, our parents' generation, but yep. they're not very open with it. They're not willing to come out and actually say it. Our generation is more open, so we're, we share these things because we, that's just how we are. Mm. Um, but I think the idea of love is quite broken at the moment. Um, I think it's, like everyone has said, it's about intentionality, it's about, it's a choice, it's constantly choosing the people around you and, and putting their needs over yours. Um, so I think to fix the idea of love, you have to go back to the foundation of it to kind of fix it. Okay, thank you so much for sharing that, Tito. Lovely. All right, last comment. Oh, okay, second to the last. Looks like okay. Mr. Roland wants to speak. <clears throat> So I just have a question, and I already feel judged. So my question is, so um, this, my money is my money, and his money is our money. I just want to know, like honestly, and is it really, is it, is it wrong? <laughs> no, you see, they've judged me, pastor. I just want to know. I'm, I'm so honest. About Thank you for your honesty. Yeah. It looks like Jumoke wants to take a stab at answering first. <laughs> okay, so I used to have that mindset too that when I get married, I'll just I'll assist my husband in doing anything he wants to do, but like help me. It's like, oh, maybe the house rent is overdue. Okay, I can just loan you some money. You can just do it yourself. But. <laughs> Um, I think it was maybe it was in I think it was in May. Me and my one of my friends that got married, she's abroad. So she was just gisting me about her married life and everything. And I was like, no, it's not supposed to be like that now. Why are you doing all these things? <laughs> it's supposed to be his responsibility. My father used to take responsibility. Why is he not taking responsibility? And she was very weak. She said she was even disappointed with my in my line of thought. <laughs> So, my dear, you're not alone, uh -huh. but, <laughs> but then I have to change my mindset because... So, what, what, what influenced that? Okay, so I would not even like, I had to, I, I read a book and I also, I watched a lot of YouTube videos to just change my mindset because that was my mindset because growing up, my father was the sole proprietor of everything that happens in the house, he provides for everything. Everything, literally making my hair, my daddy will provide it. Not like my mommy is not working, no, but she's just a baby girl. <laughs> like that. But when I lost him, everything changed. And I didn't like that part because mommy could, she could do those things, but she felt it was too much on her because she was not doing it before. So she, my friend told me about it because I, I, I always, we, we just a lot, so I told her everything. So she explained it to me then that even changed my mindset that you just have to do it together. It's, it's fun when you do it together. It's always fun. Yeah, so that was what changed my mindset. Okay, interesting conversations. Looks like you guys want to jump one week ahead. Okay, so Chi and then Mr. Roland. Okay, so... Uh, sorry. Okay. Good evening, guys. I'll be making reference to something that um, I personally experienced. No, not my experience, but a friend on the street. On the Your cousin Femi, it's okay. 
Uh, one of my acquaintances, you know, growing up. Um, this guy is homeless, Sanjay is a very handsome looking guy. Um, so a girl that uh, actually accommodated him, fed him, housed him. We got to a stage where the guy actually has a has focus, not like, not like um, he shared with we his peers, no. But I know definitely he has that drive, like something will be good for this guy later on. So the way the girl was treating him, you know, anytime um, she comes home and all that, it's one argument or that, and uh, she happens to have different informants that spy on the guy, and you know, definitely they just want to watch her come and start yelling on the guy. But notwithstanding, they still do the normal things, make their love, continue feeding, housing. He got to a stage, the guy just got, I mean, the guy had a break. And when they had that break, the only thing he did for the girl, he got a better house and got a car for, for her and tell her that he has to leave. That was, that was the best he can do. That, you know, he, le he lived with her. He, he actually appreciated her and he told the girl that, uh, he actually confided in her that the period he lived with that girl, then, that is the worst period that he almost lost his mind. But just because he has no is not the guy's fault. Because if you were in the morning service, I said something in personal opinion, I don't believe that there is one man for one woman. Otherwise, it means when people lose their spouses, and I hope you know that there are actually some seemingly God-ordained relationships where the second individual has refused to hear God and have chosen to go their way because there's something else that is attracting them. Meanwhile, this other person that has clear revelation. So is God evil to then tie a lot to the lot of somebody who just isn't ready to follow him or ready to, to, <laughs> to follow his path or his instructions? So that's one scenario. The second scenario is, what if, and we've seen it happen, somebody gets married and they lose their spouse. Are we going to say God's perfect will for the person has gone to be with God, and so the person stays single forever till Jesus comes. Think about it. Hence why I don't believe that there is one man for one woman, one man made for one woman. And so when you miss that shot, I know people say that. People have, I mean, growing up, I've heard this phrase so much that it haunted me. My fokoshe boyfriend. For the benefit of the non-Yoruba-speaking people, do not use your future husband, your prospective husband. Don't use him. Don't, don't, uh, what's the word? Use him as your boyfriend. Use and dump. Don't miss out on an opportunity. And he, for the longest, I just always worry that, hey, God, may I not miss, <laughs> may I not miss the one? Because I've gone ahead to just date casually, you know. Um, but I think, I, I'm excited already at all that God will do this month in this teaching series because if there's anything I know, it's the fact that mindsets need to change. Perspectives need to change. You cannot f uh, successfully engage um, the marriage institution 
or understand love outside of God is tough. That being said, it doesn't mean that they're not uh, successfully married unbelievers. Check, I'm sure you probably know one or two whose marriages have waxed stronger. In fact, almost shamed the Christian marriage that you know. Because you, you, you hang out with them and you're wondering how these people just seem, they, they seem to just get it. They get themselves. What are they doing? And they don't know Jesus. At least you are not aware that they have confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So what's the difference? Meanwhile, we, the children of light, we seem to just always be all over the place. I said this in the morning service, that there are kingdom principles, there are spiritual principles that whether you're saved or not saved, once you practice them, they would, you, they would work for you. They will work for you. And that, what, that is what happens more often than not. Same thing with those who are rich. I'm not talking about those who are corrupt or who have earned their riches or their wealth through dubious means. I'm talking about people who are like, who've done well, legit rich, who have practiced principles of giving, who have practiced principles of caring for the poor, who have made it their responsibility to ensure that they are channels through which the blessings of God flows to the families of the earth. Remember, that's what God said to Abraham, right? Aha. Uh -huh. But they don't know God. They've just simply committed to doing good to, to mankind. God is more comfortable committing resources into the hands of such people than the one that chooses to fast and pray every day and is wicked. The one that chooses to fast and pray every day and is not allowing the Holy Spirit influence their character and behavior. The one that fasts and prays every day and is stuck in their mind, unwilling to allow that uh, change be manifest. That same principle is what applies in marriage, hence why we have successful marriages by unbelievers. What is supposed to happen for us as God's children is that we are the children of light. We have the benefit and the help of the redemptive capacity, you know, that we've enjoyed. And that redemptive capacity is supposed to be evident in every area of our lives, including our marriage. We have the benefit of relationship. We have the Holy Spirit, who's our teacher, who's our helper, and whose responsibility is to guide us into truth. So it means that the mystery of this marriage institution should be made known to us as God originally designed and intended it, not as Instagram is selling it, not as social media is putting it out there, not as the experiences of your parents have dictated. There's so many reasons, and I, I know that by God's grace next week we'll actually drill down into finances, but look, people have made decisions based on people's experiences. You see this whole, my money is my money, your money is our money, mindset is not scriptural i'm already answering it but it's not scriptural it isn't let me read to you guys uh philippians chapter 2. now i'm not I, we all know the first corinthians 13 scripture yeah love is patient love is kind uh -huh, it speaks about all the attributes of love i won't read that today i want to read from uh philippians chapter 2. this is paul apostle paul to the church in philippi it's interesting because this particular scripture is not even one of those that was written for marriages. 
but it was written for interpersonal relationships. So let's see what he says here. He said, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, that I'm reading from verse 1, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being one like-minded, having the same love, being, so he was speaking to the church. The church is you and I. So if we cannot live with like-mindedness in the spirit of love with people that, you know, we see and we engage with from a distance, if we don't know how to genuinely just love our neighbors, you cannot give what you don't have. It will play out in an intimate relationship. It will play out in a romantic relationship. It will play out in marriage. Uh, let me see if I can finish reading that. Okay, so be, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. This particular Philippians 2 is what I use, one of the scriptures that I use in my premarital counseling sessions. Because you see, until we start to remove those mindsets where we think that, look, I can still be me, do me, and me alone, prioritize me in a marriage, you are setting up yourself to fail. And it's the truth. Some of us learned the hard way. You see all this, your hard stance, pride, and all, where we feel like, look, I have the right to call the shots concerning one, two, three, and then whatever happens to you, I really don't care. I'm not your mother. Those kind of mindsets will not take you far because two would come together and become one. To successfully be one, you have got to set aside so many selfish ambitions, conceitedness, personal inhibitions and biases. They have to be set aside. Where there is usually a problem is this. Let's go to, I didn't finish reading that Philippians 2. Um, we'll get into it in a bit more detail. But before I go into Genesis 2 now, I want to remind us all of what um, this, this popular scripture in Acts, I think it's Acts 4, where um, the writer would speak about how the early church lived together in unity. Everybody brought the things that belonged to them. Nobody was particular about, oh, this is my own thing. It's, yeah, in Acts 4, I think, 32. Scripture says everybody shared. There was communal living. We don't see that happening these days. Well, because we're all looking out for ourselves. It's almost as if if you, if you spend your money for others, all you're looking at is how your bank account has reduced. I'm serious, guys. All you're concerned about is how, you know, you feel like, ah, man, I have to save for the rainy day. Nobody knew the pandemic was coming. Look at how the pandemic hit. And so because of that, there's that mindset. We, we say we have a lot of corrupt people. Do you know that for some people, the reason why they are corrupt, especially those in politics and government, they're trying to amass so much wealth. Sometimes you hear about what some people have. And you're like, how do you intend to spend this money? Like, to what end? I'm talking about raw cash. Look, at, there wasn't that man that he found house in uh, Banana Island or Ikui the other time, stashed with cash. Like, how, how is that okay? 
Or when you hear things like government wants to use people's pension fund to do nonsense. How is that okay? I mean, there's a lot of corruption because some people are still dealing with their poverty mindset. They, grew, they came from very poor backgrounds. And so all they know to do is just let's amass the wealth. Let's just, let's just keep grabbing. Some of us have carried, your own is not wealth. But the mindset you have about marriage, you have seen how your mother's money or your auntie's funds that she entrusted into her husband's care, how he ruined her. And you have vowed that that will not be you. You have vowed that that will not be your experience. And so what you have done is, my money is my money. From the onset, let it be clear. This marriage, we spend your money. We save my money. And I save my money. I'm the only one that has access to, to that money. Because men has come. A man can wake up tomorrow and say he's not doing again. And he will leave me stranded. So there's a lot of fear that is motivating decisions that are not founded on scripture. Because guess what? Seasons change. You might be in your own summer season. You might be in that season where there's a lot of harvest. But guess what? Winter is coming. And it's not a God forbid issue. It is the reality. When winter hits, where will you be caught? We are trying to prepare for that winter season by saving up. So I was trying to reference the fact that some men have proven to be a bit irresponsible. And so we've heard stories. And because of that, we have decided to position ourselves appropriately. That is not completely a bad thing to do. However, it is the mindset of fear that is driving it that needs to be addressed. Until you get to that place where you find your rest in God and you allow the Holy Spirit lead you. See, let's go to Genesis 2. Scripture says that in verse 7, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Bam. God made man. Move to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Bam. God not only made man, God gave him an assignment, gave him a purpose. Let me just say this here. Women, you're in a relationship with a man who you can very clearly see is very slothful. There's a difference between he currently doesn't have any capacity that, uh, and he's not ready to do anything. What was that? There's one very old movie where the guy all just wants to do is a dreamer. He just wants to dream and just create highfalutin nonsense in the air. No substance. See, you can identify potential. I know we've, there's, a, <laughs> there's so much we have said in this generation, even about potential. I, we are not going to eat potential. Yes, women have started saying it. Because men keep saying, we have potential. We, have, we are not eating potential. <laughs> Somebody said that, oh my God. <laughs> But the truth is, you can very clearly tell, um, you can see a man who is diligent. A man, it's not hard to, it's not, and you, you can know when someone is faking it and when someone is really that way. If you cannot know, it means there's a problem with you. It means your level of self-awareness needs to be worked on. It also means that your, you need discernment. You need to go and find God and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Because we cannot tell if a man is faking it or he's really it. 
then I'm concerned. Now, someone who has potential, someone who's diligent, someone who puts themselves out there for opportunities is different from someone who's just building castles in the air and there is no substance. So he, he, he wants to work in a certain organization. You're not, you're not, it's not, you're asking about, have you sent CVs out? Have you put out CVs? Have you reached job recruiters? Have you, no effort whatsoever. Always giving you excuses why things like that aren't done yet. You need, that's a red flag. If you continue, huh, what will happen is this. You will get to that place where you start to say your money is your money and my money is, and you will be miserable. That's the truth. You will be miserable in that type of relationship. And it's both ways too. When a man sees a woman who has no idea. So it's one thing to be in a phase of life where you're not sure what exactly it is you should be doing. And that's not a bad thing in itself. However, being perpetually there, you know, you don't want to develop yourself. You don't want to do anything, do business you're not doing. Get a job you don't want. You're just looking to, you want to live off a man. That's my, somebody said for life. You want to do baby girl for life. And be like all these our Insta, Instagram aunties. Small girl, big God. Using G-Wagon with manicured nails. Spa, all you go to is spa appointments every day. And ruin the man. Oh, you won't ruin the man. But that's the kind of life you want. And just party weekends and... Damilolite is well with you. He said it's an ambitious lifestyle. But guess what? The day the man dies, it's not a cause. Where, what will happen to, you, such, to such a woman? Definitely not you. <laughs> so, did you just say you die together? <laughs> Dami, I can't, I can't deal with you right now. No, but guys, seriously... Let me, let, me, let, me, let me see this, this from the scripture. Let's see what the word says. Because this entire month, we are sitting with the word of God. We're going back to the basics. We're going back to the foundation, how it all started. You see all these warped mentalities that are pervading our generation and all these very negative mindsets. It's, uh, they are counterfeits. That's not the truth. So we have to find what the, what the truth is concerning the marriage institution because God ordained it. God created it. It's not a figment of man's imagination. Neither did man try and propose it as a nice to have. Absolutely not. God instituted marriage, simple and short. So he's the one that is going to help us with all these funny mindsets that is running around and trying to find space in our hearts. Okay, so after God then gives man an assignment... In verse 18, we see, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. I will make him a helper comparable to him. The KJV translation says, I will make him a help meet for him. Uh, I think it's the NIV that says, I will make him a helper suitable for him. Comparable, meet, suitable. To him. What happens sometimes why we have broken homes and broken relationships is that we have not found or we did not go with suitable companions. We've not gone with comparable companions. 
Neither have we gone with help meet for us. What we have done, either out of pressure, my biological clock is ticking, you have gone to settle. You've seen the red flags and you've turned your eyes away from them. In fact, I thought somebody was going to say love is blind as another... <laughs> In this generation, the love, the eyes are very open. If your love is still blind, there is a problem. Because what it means is you are the one that is blind. You have chosen to be blind to the issues that need to be addressed. And not all issues are irredeemable. I've seen testimonies, stories of people who were a certain way, but got involved with someone else who made them, helped them be better, helped them, you know, become, the, become better versions of themselves. So it's not all doom and gloom. It's not, there's some red flags that you see and you need to make a decision. Am I going to be in this for the long haul? Am I ready to put in the work that this requires? Because these are questions we don't ask ourselves before we jump into relationships. Sometimes you are in a relationship or you're, you, you, I mean, you guys are about to start dating and he's already using certain words. And you're like, oh, it's because... You know the one that gets me? When I talk to a, a, a young lady and she says to me, oh, the reason why he beats me up so much is because he doesn't like seeing me with other people. You know, he's really very jealous. He just, I'm like, and you are happy. As in, this is you defending madness. And it's, making, it's exciting because when he then comes and he apologizes and buys you roses and, um, okay, Nigerian men don't used to give flowers like that but buys you chocolate, takes you out, or whatever. <laughs> Daniel, do you give roses? You, the person that said yes, you've received roses from Daniel before, right? <laughs> oh, it's Caleb. <laughs> I'm worried now, genuinely worried. Okay, no, but for real, guys, he, he, he does all that to you and then begs you with gifts. Or buys you a, you know, a bling ring and you feel like that makes it all go away, makes it all worth it because he's really very passionate about me. You are the, a, the full of fools. Sorry, I... Yeah. <laughs> no, but really. And there is so much damage being done to people and we are excusing it. We turn our eyes away from nonsense. Let me give you a very close, um, not my experience, but cl someone close to me. Someone from, <clears throat> a person was dating you and has no regard for your family. Doesn't value family time, doesn't see the need to, you know, try and be uh, have a good rapport with family and you know in this part of the uh, of the world we value family relationships right extended family relationships except you are born in the abroad and you've lived all your life in the abroad and all your extended family members are also in the abroad with you that's when things like that don't matter but even at that i know that there are families over there who value family time you have to come and spend christmas and thanksgiving with family and things like that but here we do a lot. In fact, they say in, in, in premarital counseling, that when you're getting married, that wedding ceremony is usually for the extended family. So sometimes don't try and fight an unnecessary battle that you may not win. Just let the parents have their way. Make sure that the parts of it that directly affect you, 
you cater to. So fantastic wedding dress that makes you happy. You invest in your ring. All the other elements there, that is people that you don't know that come and eat the food. Leave it to the parents to sort if they're going to be, if they're ready to drop the money. I digress. Anyway, back to this particular story. The person then gets married. And of course, we begin to see the effects of the spouse not being a family person. Drilling down, realize that that person obviously doesn't have a relationship with their own family, doesn't value their own family relationship or family time and family dynamics, has little or no regard for it. So how then do you expect that he would then value your own, his in-laws? How do you expect that he would, he would treat them any different from how he treats his own parents? Sometimes we see the signs, but we choose to turn blind eyes. We just choose to look the other way. Either because we are getting certain benefits, sometimes financial. Oh, he can pay my bills. He's going to, you know, he's a provider. We're sorted. You need to ask yourself the question, what is important? What is priority for you in your marriage? And this applies to both singles and married. So singles looking to get married, what are the top three things that are important to you? If you're already married, what is your family vision? What is in this marriage? What are you guys looking to achieve together? Because two have already become one. And there's really, you do, <laughs> if you're married a slothful husband or a slothful wife, it's now your cross. So how can we go from here? Or where do we go from here? How do we fix things? Would we say because a car runs out of gas and then would discard the car? What do we do? You refuel, you top it up, you put gas back in. So a marriage that has run out of love is not an irredeemable situation because there are several things that happen that put pressure on marriages. Same thing with dating relationships. But if it is very clear to you that this season, God is nudging your heart and asking you to do a rethink about that dating relationship that you are in. Where all that matters is the body. Now, scripture says in, I think, 1 Thessalonians 2, I think it's 23 now, speaks about, uh, Paul here would, would, would say a very simple prayer and ask that God would um, preserve our Spirit, soul, and body. Let me look for that scripture. It says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians 5.23. Paul will say, look at the flow. May your whole spirit, your soul, and your body. He doesn't start with the body, the soul, and the spirit. And it's very deliberate. Because your spirit is your uh, is the place that houses your beliefs and your convictions. But what we do in our world is we flip the script. So we start with our body. How our body is feeling determines who we're sleeping with, determines who we're dating. Our body then influences the state of our emotions, obviously. So our feelings determine our thoughts, and our thinking determines our beliefs. So it is from the natural to the spiritual. Meanwhile, that's not God's original design. It is spirit, and then the outcome is what you, you express with your flesh. So, a lot of us are making dating decisions based on how we feel 
only about the individual. How he makes us feel. How she makes us feel. Or she makes you feel. That is what's influencing your dating decision. That cannot be it, child of light. That cannot be it. And your feelings determine your thought process, your thought patterns. You know, I grew up on a lot of R&B music, you know, and I love boy bands. I like men. So all that. Half the time you are sleeping and waking up with certain songs just playing in your head. And so you are only seen with the lens and the filters of those, of those lyrics. And not necessarily what God is saying. Absolutely not. So she looks a certain way. He looks a certain way. And don't get me wrong. Physical attraction is very important. Just in case you're feeling like, am I then saying you close your eyes to the physical? No. Physical attraction is very important because you're going to be locked. <laughs> we did not see lockdown coming, no. You don't want to be married to the kind of person that you cannot be in the same house with 24 hours, seven days. And you guys are looking at yourself and you're like, ah, how did I not see you like this before? You don't want it. So please, the outward appearance is important. However, remember, man looks only at the outward appearance. But what does God look at? The heart. The heart. So who is your object of affection? Or what is your object of affection? If your decisions have been purely based on the flesh, how well you guys sleep together. Of which, if you're sleeping with someone and you're married, please stop. I will leave it at that. We'll talk about sex next, next week Sunday. <laughs> Dami and the places that you say amen to. Very interesting. So back to that Genesis 2, and we'll start wrapping up uh, in a bit. So Adam gave, okay, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field. That's verse 19. Every bird of the air brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. It's interesting that this verse 19 just follows verse 18, where there was clearly a need. It was not good or it is not good for man to be alone. And God then decides to create animals. I feel like that flow of the scripture, personal opinion, was deliberate just so that we understand that God actually gives us free will and he doesn't impose his choice on us. He allows us to make our decisions before some of us come and say, God, see, is a man. And did we see that happen when the serpent came to them? Is the woman you gave me. However, God did not uh, was, was force the woman down on uh, down Adam's truth or throat. He brought other options. I, well, I, mean, I think it's wrong to say other options, but he should have brought animals and said, "Oh yeah, name them." And perhaps if Adam had mistakenly just called any of them woman, that's the end. You and I belong to the animal kingdom. Simple. But he gave himself brain, and I believe it's the mind of God that he has, the spirit of God, measure of the spirit of God in him. He knew that something was missing. And that's what's happening with a lot of us. We're trying to fill a void that only God can fill. We're trying to fill a void that only God can. Hence why the body counts are increasing for some of our friends. They are looking for love in all the wrong places. That's a song, by the way. But they're looking for love in all the wrong places and with all the wrong people. 
and they're just trying to do different things that would, you know, make up for the absence of connection. So, fast forward, Adam gave names to all these, to the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not one, there was not found a helper comparable to him. See again that same uh, reference. Because the agenda was to find Adam, someone that was comparable to him. But of the animals that were brought, none was found that was suitable for him. And the Lord God caused, verse 21, I love this part. See, after we have done our rigmaroling and trying to figure things out in our own human understanding, you know where we need to land? is the place of rest. Verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept. Someone needs to rest. On this marriage and relationship matter, whether you're already married and you feel like, God, we're having such a hard time. It looks like I don't even recognize my spouse anymore. And for different reasons, for different reasons, it might be the face of life in which the spouse is in presently, dealing with work pressures, dealing with different things. And you feel like you guys are not even able to understand yourselves or communicate effectively anymore. What happened to the baby girl that I, I married? What happened to the baby boy that I married? And it looks like life has just changed the individual. You know, sometimes we're going with the... We, <laughs> ah, Holy Spirit. When you're not married, you, it's, it's a bit hard to see five years of married life, ten years of being married. It's, it's hard for you to comprehend, you know. Uh, well, you can see people's marriages and you have an idea, but you in it by yourself... You have to consistently be setting a vision of uh, when we're five years, here's how I want to be looking, amen. Here's uh, my kids will be a certain way. They will go to this kind of school. And it's it's easy to dream. And then when you're in the midst of it and life throws curveballs and seasons change, there's a loss of job. You know, one person is not earning as much and just different stuff. Somebody's feeling frustrated at work. And then you are trying to prove yourself. And you forget that you leave work at work. But we carry work home. And our spouses bear the brunt of the drama we're dealing with on the outside. And home doesn't feel like a safe haven anymore. How do you cost correct from there? The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, verse 23, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Adam could only attest to this from a place of knowledge. Knowledge came because he had rested. He was plugged in. He was plugged in. He was connected to the source, the only one who was able to fix this need. And that's for each and every one of us, whether we're married or we're single. God ordained marriage. Marriage outside of him can work, but marriage in him is everything. So whether you're dealing with confusion, whether you're dealing with whatever as a single person, you're trying, you need clarity, whether you're in a toxic relationship or an abusive relationship and you keep justifying, justifying it and you're trying to make yourself feel good or whether you're at that place where you feel like 
I'm done with even being hopeful about getting married because nobody seems to be looking my way. I'm dealing with too many issues. Rest in God. Rest in God. Rest in God. 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and he shall become one flesh. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. One of the things that is gradually being eroded in our generation, and I like how Tito clarified that it's not a function of just our generation, it's just the state of the human, it's the state of mankind, and it's true. It's just more pronounced because we are very open. So you see people get married and in like a month, they're done. They can't, they're not dealing with this anymore. Now, before people laugh at me, Kanye and Kim, where, what are they doing? Are they back together? Are they separated, separated, fully divorced now? Which, where, what are they doing exactly? They are apart now. Ah, no baton. So I didn't know, I actually didn't know. I was sort of hopeful, hoping that the light that Kanye had seen would rub off on auntie. But, you know, you just have a heart for such relationships and just you'll be hopeful. You know, we can't give up on mankind. Anyway, but the point is this. Wherever it is that you are, whatever it is that you're dealing with, for anyone here who feels like hope is lost, I want to encourage you that God is love fundamentally. What we try to do is to recreate or redefine the concept of love outside of him and we're joking because he by himself is the epitome of love he's the he, his persona is love so you want to learn how to love talk to God you want to understand the concept of love talk to God and sit with the word you want to learn how to love your spouse more please go and study that Philippians 2 I think it's verses 1 to um Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. Yeah, just read it. Philippians 2, 1 to 11. And read 1 Corinthians 13. And you know what some of us should actually do? Make 1 Corinthians 13 a declaration for yourself. So where it says, love is patient. Remember, you, God is love, okay? You are born of God. By nature, you are a love being. So you put your name in there. Oluwabusola is patient. Oluwabusola is kind. Okay? In fact, let's do that together. Let's use the NKJV translation. Let's do that together. And that will be our prayer. As we just wrap things up. Before we take that prayer, just I know that time is far spent and we're wrapping up. But has anybody been blessed today? Are you happy that we did not? Don't worry, I'm working on this time thing. God help me. Um, so you can pray for me. If you're looking for what to pray for, just pray that I'm able to deliver everything. The Holy Spirit will have me say within allotted time that I have before my people will give, give up on me. So, um, but three things that I want to leave you with. Number one is the fact that big thoughts, if you feel like you want to be able to tell someone, 
aside from everything we've shared here and every contribution everyone has made, but if you want to talk to someone about service today, what are the three big things you will say? Number one is the fact that we are created for connection and not isolation. Our world is championing the cause of isolation. Cancel people that are not making sense in your life. Delete people, block them. When it's getting too crazy, go and hide in your corner and hide under your duvet and be in your house, isolate from everyone. That is the message of the world. That is not the message of our Father. Remember Acts 4. They dwelt together in unity. He didn't say that they were not having issues as individuals. But everybody put aside their issues and they would come together. Because guess what? Sometimes it's in the place of connection you find healing. God won't come down from heaven and come and fix your issues. It is your connections. The quality of your life is dependent on the quality of relationships that you have. The quality of your life, the quality of the life you live, show me the relationships that are, you know, feeding it. So someone is to ask this, themselves, am I rich in people or am I rich in things? If you are rich in things, that's a problem. But if you are rich in people, with people come things. Your next level is possibly in someone's hand in this room. Because God will use people for you. Absolutely. So for some of us, we need to improve in our character. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us what area of my life do I need to improve upon. Okay? So we're created for connection and not isolation. The second thing is that other people's experiences cannot be the source of your revelation. If all that you are thinking, your belief system, the filters that you you know, use in, in, in determining who you date, who you marry, is the negative experiences of others, then there's a problem. Please go back into the word and go with God on this marital journey. And the third thing would be deep commitment to oneness, to trust, and to vulnerability is required for a successful marriage and I dare say any successful interpersonal relationship. Commitment to oneness as referenced in, second, uh, in Philippians chapter 2. Commitment to trust. People don't trust themselves anymore. I mean, why would you want to hinge your life to someone you don't trust? Think about it. And I feel like sometimes I, I listen to certain stories and I feel like we do ourselves a lot of disservice you know, because you will not entrust your business into someone's hands that you don't trust them. You know, this person is a scammer. You know, do you understand? You will not carry your business and give such a person your money, you won't. But you are okay to overlook that area of fault, that red flag, and go and marry the person or be in a relationship with the person. Is it that we don't value our lives? So, deep commitment to trust to oneness, to openness, to vulnerability is really, really important as, a, um, uh, as ingredients to a successful marriage. So I said we'll take that declaration in 1 Corinthians 13 together. Let's do the NKJV translation. Or does someone want to recommend another translation where it's easier to follow? Let me see. NLT, yeah? Okay, I think you all are using gadgets, so let's do NLT.
second sir let me just we we'll start from i think verse four yeah so first corinthians 13 from verse four so remember what we're doing we're putting our names there where we see love we're putting our names and we're personalizing this declaration so once you go Olua Busola is patient and kind. Olua Busola is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. She does not demand her own way. I, do, I am not irritable. I keep no record of being wronged. I do not rejoice about injustice, but rejoice whenever the truth wins out. Olua Busola never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just pray together? And I'm going to pray for anyone here who feels like they're in a toxic relationship. Um, you feel like you have not had it good in this whole relationship and dating experience. I'm going to pray for someone who feels like, look, my marriage, Lord, I need you. I need help. I need help. And I want us to just open our mouth, regardless of whatever it is, whether you're having it very good right now. I promise you that with God, there is always better. So I want us to just invite him in once again. So if you're married in the room, just invite God afresh into your marriage. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your spouse. Bless your spouse. I don't want you to even pray about yourself. If there's any prayer you're going to offer up to God tonight about you, I want it to be, you know, just leveraging that Philippians 2 scripture. I want you to pray that you will be the person that God has ordained you to be for your spouse. Let your prayer tonight be about your spouse. And for those who are yet to get married, whether you're in a dating relationship right now, I want you to pray, you know, for the person you are in a relationship with. I want you to bless them. I want you to speak uh, over their lives. You know what it is they're dealing with. I want you to ask God to help them bear their burdens, carry them in this season in the name of Jesus and ask God for grace to be supportive. Ask God for grace uh, to be the ones that you need to be, to be the person you need to be to them. And if you're here, you're desirous of getting married and you're trusting that God will bring your partner to you. Would you continue to make that declaration? Lord, I rest in you. Lord, over my marital destiny, I rest in you. And I'm praying for the ones that are in toxic relationships or abusive relationships or have had negative experiences that have sort of put up a wall and made you very closed and unreceptive of God's love or even a man's love or, a, or, or a, uh, the love of uh, the opposite gender. Tonight, I decree over your lives that all such walls are coming down in the name of Jesus, that where you have experienced pain, I ask that the balm of Gilead will soothe every pain. I ask that the Holy Spirit will comfort you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke every operation of the spirit of heaviness over you that is causing you to be unreceptive to God's love, causing your heart to, your heart to be hardened in the name of Jesus. If you have kids, declare over your children. And if you're not married here, declare over your unborn children that the prevalent mindsets, the negative mindsets, uh, you know, the scripture speaks about imaginations being exalted against the knowledge of Jesus. 
Imagine as it is in our world today, when you think about your children, your unborn children, what will it look like in their own generation? Where people right now, all we think about is just casual sex, friends with benefits. People don't want to get married anymore. They just want to cohabit and enjoy the privileges of marriage, intimacy, companionship without the actual commitment. Would you ask God to help that yours will be a model marriage in this generation in the name of Jesus? That God will help you build a home for him. God will help you build a home for him. That people will look at and they will want to, you know, emulate what is coming out of your home. In the name of the Lord Jesus, would you speak peace over your heart? Ask that God will calm every raging storm. In the name of Jesus, concerning this, concerning the marriage institution, concerning your interpersonal relationships, for someone here today, you need to extend this prayer beyond just a romantic relationship. You need to pray for the relationships between your parents. You need to pray for the relationships that you have with your siblings, where there is hurt, where there is pain, where you have suffered loss. Would you pray that the Holy Spirit would soothe your heart? Ask that God would grant you the grace to forgive and to let go completely. And declare that you are on your journey to complete healing and recovery. In the name of Jesus. Because God wants you whole. God wants you whole. He needs you whole. For the fulfillment of your assignment. He needs you whole. And that is for someone here today. So Lord I pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice. You know what we need. You know what our homes need. You know what our lives need. You know what our vital relationships need. So we invite you in your capacity as our help. God, our help. The Holy Spirit, our helper. We receive your help in the name of Jesus. Every day of the month of September, in all our vital relationships, our interpersonal relationships, in our marriages, Lord, we declare that we are marvelously helped in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, Lord, for changing mindsets. We thank you, Father, because we begin to see ourselves as you see us. And I pray for that person who doesn't love themselves. The person who does not love his or herself. I ask that God would open your eyes to see who you are to him. I ask that God would open your eyes to see that you are precious and you matter to him. And that you not only will see, you would embrace and you will receive his love. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being in service tonight. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.